There's never been a worse time to be a New York football fan. Both the Jets and the Giants are off to 0-3 starts with the rest of the season looking pretty grim. Three of the five rookie quarterbacks in this year's draft class have struggled mightily in the early going. I'll break that down. Plus, nobody should be worried about the Kansas City Chiefs' slow start. I know I'm not. I'll tell you why next on Stern Spotlight. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back to another edition of Stern Spotlight. Hope everyone enjoyed week three of the NFL season. It's always great to get to watch some football on a Sunday, right? It's the type of thing that never gets old. In the dead of winter, and even the peak portion of summer when it's really hot outside, you just look forward to and crave football Sunday. Sadly enough, we're at the point in this season where we can look at a couple of the teams playing right now and safely say that they're not going anywhere. And when I say they're not going anywhere, it's not just that they're not reaching the postseason this season, but the next logical step is to start wondering what the long-term future for some of these teams look like. For the two football teams in the NFL that play in New York, Things could not look worse right now. Watching both of these, those teams on Sunday, it was an absolute clown show. I don't even know where to begin in breaking down and analyzing those performances. Just what an utter embarrassment. You guys play in the best city in the world, and all you can give your fans is this pathetic display on every Sunday? Shame on the two owners of those teams, because both franchises have played disgustingly on the field, and have had even more issues off of it. You know, I grew up in New York City, and I never thought there would be a day and age when the Buffalo Bills were the best team in New York State. I got a lot of tweets when I tweeted that out on Twitter asking me and telling me that the two New York teams technically don't play in New York. And those people are right. They technically play in New Jersey, but... If we're counting the Jets and the Giants as New York tri-state area teams, whatever you want to call it, and classify them as New York State teams from that angle, yeah, they're the worst team in the state, and it's not even close. We begin today by asking ourselves, which New York football team is worse? It's a legitimate question, right? And my answer to that question And it's going to be political. I know some people might not like it, but I'm going to say the Jets are the worst team while the New York football Giants have been more disappointing. With the Giants, this was the year that everything finally was going to change. Daniel Jones in year three. Everyone expected him to take that major step forward and leap in his development. We had seen some good signs, albeit in a smaller sample size, in year one and year two. But realistically, he just turned the ball over way too much to give this team a chance to win ball games. This season, we expected that to change. We expected that he'd cut down on the turnovers, make some of those throws that he didn't make in years one and two, and really take that next leap forward. It's realistic, right? If he's going to be your franchise guy for the next decade or so, He needs to go out there and prove it. I don't care that he was the sixth overall pick a couple seasons ago. It's put up our shut time for DJ in New York. 
Joe Judge. Everyone said he's a great coach. He's big on discipline. Comes from the Bill Belichick tree, which apparently says something. Guess. Even though Matt Patricia and Josh McDaniels and some of the other guys from that tree have struggled. But anyway, Joe Judge was a disciplinarian and a stickler and a hard-nosed football guy who was supposed to propel them forward. So far, he looks like he's a major part of the problem. Isn't it ironic that a former special teams coach and a guy who emphasizes the details has a team playing for him that makes costly penalties on special teams, by the way. Look at what happened against the Washington football team in week two, and that cost them the game. Makes poor decisions on both sides of the ball and just is not fundamentally sound. Wasn't this supposed to be Mr. Fundamentals? So you have DJ with the big leap. You have Joe Judge, who was a rookie head coach last year, taking a big step forward in his development. And on top of that, the front office did their part, and they upgraded the talent around Daniel Jones. They went out and signed Kenny Galladay, drafted Kadarius Toney. So this was the year that the Giants were going to be players in the division, maybe even in the NFC with the East being a weaker division and Washington and Philadelphia struggling, this was going to be it for the Giants. Well, sadly enough, we're at the end of September, and it feels like the season's already over. We're not even waiting till December at this point to be mathematically eliminated because this team isn't going anywhere. It has been a pathetic display on every level from the New York football Giants, and we expected better. I hate to say this so early in the season, but it's kind of the elephant in the room that's been poked around just a little bit after they struggled against Washington in week two. And again, after they blew another lead and lost to the Atlanta Falcons last week. Joe Judge is on the hot seat. He's being evaluated. And if things do not turn around between now and the end of the season, and this team finishes the year, say three and 14, even four and 13, you got to make a change. You got to get rid of Joe Judge. It's enough. This team can't be looking awful on a weekly basis. And speaking of attention to details, in his one year and three games, we'll call it, since taking over the helm, they have six losses by one possession or less. Two of them came this year already against Washington and Atlanta. They had four of them last season. It's unacceptable. You can't keep losing games like this. Now we switch gears to the Jets. I started this segment by asking myself which New York football team was worse. I said the Giants were disappointing. But I think the Jets are by far the worst team. The New York Jets this season are going to be the dumpster mat in all of the NFL. There, I said it. I put it out there. Because it's the truth. I don't care about the Texans. I don't care about the Lions. The Jets are as bad as any other team in the league. With the Jets, there's a level of disappointment, though. Because while no one expected them to make the postseason, or even to finish above 500, which is something they haven't done in forever, everyone expected progress. And fans were willing to measure that progress in baby steps. But so far... The baby that is the New York Jets franchise hasn't even been able to show that it can crawl across the room. That's how incompetent that team looks. 
you have a new head coach in Robert Sala. And he's a rah-rah guy, kind of similar to Joe Judge in terms of his resume. But he comes off the Kyle Shanahan tree, obviously. And, you know, the, the franchise is expected ultimately to take a step forward with him. And you also have a rookie quarterback there in Zach Wilson, who comes from BYU. So he hasn't exactly played NFL-caliber defenses during his collegiate career. It's understandable that there is a learning gap for those two guys. And on the defensive side of the ball, they're really unproven, and losing Carl Lawson didn't help either. But I honestly cannot tell the difference right now between this Jets team and the Jets team from a season ago that Adam Gase was coaching. They look exactly the same. They've been non-competitive in all three games they've played so far. The first one you play the Panthers, it's a good defense. Okay, it's the first game of the season. We'll take that and we'll flush it down the toilet, as Jalen Hurts likes to do. Okay, we'll flush that game away and not even think about it. But game number two against the Patriots, he throws four interceptions. And at that point, fans look themselves in the mirror and they say, he's a rookie. He's going to have games like this. We can forget about it. Fair enough. Game number three, they are shut out 26 nothing by the Denver Broncos. And the panic button, which we were hesitant to turn on through the first couple of weeks, I'm turning it on now because this team has just been incompetent. And they have not shown any progress. They haven't shown signs of life. They've still been fundamentally poor. And watching these New York football teams play, I feel kind of like a broken record when I'm breaking down what's wrong with the two, but that's because they mirror each other. During the game, there was this meme circulating on on the internet and on social media. It's a picture of Spider-Man pointed to himself, and it's like Jets and Giants fans right now. It's because the teams are so similar, and they have the same issues, and they are a hot mess on every level. And you ask yourself, where do you go from here? Because it's like you want to be optimistic in the long-term outlook, but it's so hard because it doesn't look good for either of these other teams, either of these teams. Do the Giants finally pull the plug on Daniel Jones? If so, do they then draft a quarterback? Do they go out and sign, sign a veteran? There's so many question marks, all of which determine the long-term future of this organization that it's scary. Why are, we, why are we asking ourselves these questions? We shouldn't be. What's going to happen with Dave Gettleman, who's done a horrible job of building the Giants roster? Are we going to start another rebuild in East Rutherford? I think you have to ask yourself that question at this point in time. The Jets I'm willing to be a little bit more patient with. But if we reach the end of the season and this team has made no progress, not just in terms of the records, that I mentioned early, but earlier, and but in terms of their play, if they're not looking significantly better, I'm panicking. I don't think that means Zach Wilson isn't the franchise quarterback. Quarterbacks need time to develop in this game, I'm, and I'm willing to give them the time. I just think that you don't. If they're continuing to struggle, it means we don't know what's to come with this organization, and we don't know if Salah's the guy. And we don't know if Wilson's the guy. We don't know if the supporting cast is the problem. Heck, at this point, I have to imagine the organization has been an issue. When you look at how it's been a snake pit 
for some of the players and coaches and who have come through. Just look at what Sam Darnold's accomplishing in Carolina. So you really just, for if you're a New York football fan, you just really have to look yourself in the mirror and pray, honestly, because that's the only way things are improving. And there's a long road ahead for both New York football teams. But I don't th- see them getting better in the immediate future. And unfortunately, they're not two or three years away from competing in their respective conferences either. So let's just hope the teams get sold or something happens that could change the trajectory of the franchise and change it quick. I talked about Zach Wilson, and I ragged on him a little bit for throwing it four interceptions in week two. But if misery loves company, he's not the only rookie quarterback struggling right now. And I think that's been a really interesting trend in the league. When you look at not just Wilson, but what's going on with Justin Fields in Chicago, where he's in this weird situation where Matt Nagy, the head coach, is hesitant to put him in, started the redheaded monster and Andy Dalton over him in week one. And now there's this quarterback controversy where Nagy is saying there's an open competition between Foles, Fields, and Dalton. Open competition for week three. Sounds like a good situation, doesn't it? I'm guessing you could sense the sarcasm in my voice there, but it, Fields has been mismanaged and mishandled in Chicago. And that's a large part of the reason why he struggled so much. Then you look down south at what happens, what's going on with Trevor Lawrence right now. It's a very similar situation. The trio of Fields, Wilson, and Lawrence thus far have accounted for 15 interceptions and just seven touchdown passes. For you mathematicians listening, you can look at the ratio and see that he's thrown double more, that those three guys have thrown double the number of interceptions as touchdowns. That's a problem in this league, right? You can't throw the ball to the other team. You need to protect the football. Ball protection is something that's preached consistently to rookies. But realistically, there's more than these guys just show up, showing up at their respective team, showing up with their respective team and struggling. They were all put into really bad situations. I touched on what's going on with Fields in Chicago and briefly Wilson in New York as well. I mean, Wilson benefited from in the sense that he was thrown into being the starter right away and he got a lot of really good game experience, but it was baptism by fire. There was no time to learn behind a veteran quarterback, get to sit by someone and see the game at a secondary type of speed. Instead, he was just thrown into action. And I think learning a lot of the nuances of the game the hard way has contributed to his struggles. And obviously, it didn't help that he played at BYU either. Fields and Lawrence played at Ohio State and Clemson. Coming out of those schools, I have to imagine, makes you a lot more NFL-ready than playing at BYU. You look at the supporting casts all three guys have. They don't have any big-time playmakers, really. I know Fields has Allen Robinson in Chicago, but he's double-covered all the time, and I don't really, I mean, he, he just hasn't been open the way he usually is, and 
you feel bad for Robinson. He hasn't really played with great quarterbacks. And when he's the consensus number one receiver, it seems like there's double teams following him all, all over the field. So on a side note, you just have to feel bad for A-Rob. Beyond the supporting cast, though, look at the head coaches in each of their situations. It feels like none of the three guys that they're tied to right now, because we all know head coaches and quarterbacks in the NFL are attached at the hip, right? But all three guys that these players are being coached by might not be part of the long-term future of their organizations. Seems like Nagy is headed out the door in Chicago. Feels like that's inevitable at this point, given the way he struggled. You don't know if Robert Sala is the long-term person with the Jets. And the same can be said about Urban Meyer and Jacksonville. I've been vocal about the fact that I think Meyer is going to split town the minute the team really starts to struggle, whether it's this year or next year. He hasn't experienced adversity like this in his career. So you have inferior talent around you, and then you have a bad situation with the head coach. Now, you never want to blame outside circumstances too much because I think a lot of the struggles these guys have gone through in their rookie season are just a product of being new to the league. I don't want to put the blame on someone else. But they weren't exactly dealt a hand that could go win them a million dollars at the poker table now, were they? I ultimately strongly believe that all three of these guys will get better. But if I'm Spencer Rattler at Oklahoma or Sam Howell at North Carolina, I'm sitting and asking myself, and, I, and I'm talking to my agent too, and questioning, do I really want to go to the team with the top pick overall? Because typically teams drafting high have the worst records in the league, have organiz- organizational dysfunction, and puts you in a situation where you're not set up for immediate success. So I think what we're seeing this year could change the mentality and the mindset of a lot of the younger quarterbacks as well. Speaking of young quarterbacks who probably thought they'd be drafted into bad situations, Patrick Mahomes was probably one of those guys when he was a top signal caller coming out of Texas Tech in 2017. Kansas City Chiefs were selecting 27th overall. Mahomes probably thought he'd go in the top 10 or top 15 to a team not as good. But lo and behold, the Chiefs trade up from the 27th spot to take Mahomes 10th overall. With one of the picks that the Bills acquired, they took Pro Bowl cornerback Tredavious White. And then the very next year, they select Josh Allen who's now their franchise quarterback and got the massive extension and whatnot. So ironically enough, that was a situation where you can truthfully say both teams won the trade. Anyway, Mr. Mahomes is actually going through adversity. (laughs) That seems like a change now, doesn't it? And when I say he's going through adversity, he has a one and two record. Ooh, right? I mean, it's like you make the Super Bowl in two of the three seasons, your three seasons as a starter, 12 and four in two of the years, 14 and two last season. Not a bad start to your NFL career. And I feel like a start like that kind of resets the expectations a little bit. You're not allowed a down year. You're not even allowed a down game for that matter. But let's do some digging here. 
Let's look beyond the record for a moment. Don't worry about the Kansas City Chiefs people. They're going to be just fine. When we get to the end of the season, they will be right there in the playoff picture, just like the Tennessee Titans who started 2-2 two and two, two years ago and then made it all the way to the AFC Championship game. This Kansas City Chiefs team is built to play their best football in December. So don't overreact. Don't worry. And instead of just looking at their 1-2 and two record and taking it at face value, which you very much can because this is a wins and loss driven league. But let's consider the elements and the circumstances, if you will, here for a second. First of all, both of their losses came by a combined seven points. Had that nail-biter loss to the Baltimore Ravens and then had another tough one against the Los Angeles Chargers on Sunday. So it's not like they're getting blown out here. And I think it's safe to say that if four or five plays, maybe even less, went differently, the Kansas City Chiefs would be 3-0 and right now. I wouldn't even be behind a microphone having this conversation. Heck, they'd probably be the, ev- uh, the number one ranked team in the league in all of the power rankings if they were 3-0. and Because it's the Kansas City Chiefs. They find ways to win games, right? So it's not like they're very far away from winning. The margin of victory and defeat is extremely slim here. And I fully expect, as the season progresses, they will win a lot of these one-score types of close games. You can bet on it. They've done it in years past. And beyond that, NFL teams struggle early. This isn't some type of foreign concept. It's happened before. I mentioned the Tennessee Titans is my poster child and example of this phenomenon, but look at what happened to the Green Bay Packers. They laid a deuce against the New Orleans Saints to start the season, and they rebounded pretty quickly now, didn't they? I know that was only after one week, but still, it's early enough into the season where I can use that as an example to illustrate the fact that we can't overreact when we're not even a quarter of the way through. The identity and the foundation and the gelling and maturation of these teams is still going on. And this is especially true to the, with the Chiefs. They have a lot of new pieces on that roster. So let them mature and grow and develop around one another. Without a doubt, in my mind, the Chiefs have the talent to turn it around, and they will, because the NFL season is more of a long-distance marathon than a short sprint to the finish line. And with the other teams in their division in the AFC West, it's been about sprinting to the finish in years past. The Raiders, Chargers, and Broncos traditionally, and I'm not saying every season, but traditionally have started off strong and struggled late in the season. This is particularly true with the Raiders, by the way. So expecting those three teams to stay on fire... Let's just say I don't know how realistic it is. And I want to see more out of these teams as well. I don't think they can do this for an entire season, especially once the division starts to cannibalize itself. And I think that's inevitable at some point. Also, with Mahomes, I know he's played at a superhuman type of level his first few seasons in the league. But inevitably, at some point, he's going to experience growing pains 
whatever that looks like. And last Sunday against the Chargers, when he threw two interceptions, that was probably his worst performance since the Super Bowl. But you know what? To me, that's okay. Because if I'm Andy Reid in that front office and I'm Chiefs fans, I'm saying, let's get the struggles and the poor performances out of your system before it really starts to matter. More importantly, though, I just feel like these first couple of games have been a wake-up call for the Kansas City Chiefs players. For all of the right reasons, by the way. I think this whole stretch lights a fire under them. There's more attention to detail. Guys are going a little bit harder in practice. And come December, instead of having a discussion about why the Chiefs season has been a disappointment, we'll be talking about why they'll be in the Super Bowl again for the third straight year. That'll do it for this edition of Stern Spotlight. Make sure to like and subscribe on Spotify. Always love shining my spotlight around on various things going on in the sports world. And I'll be back to you again soon with another edition. Take care.